0: Literal and Exegetical Understandings of the Law of Lashes by Rav Amnon Parashat Ki is characterized first and foremost by the great many mitzvot that it contains, a total of 74 positive and negative commandments. Many of these mitzvot reveal a general phenomenon concerning the relationship between the written law and the oral law, whereby the literal text seems to suggest one understanding, which changes once we consult the oral law. This subject has been addressed by our sages throughout the generations. In this year, we shall focus on one brief unit in which this phenomenon is illustrated in three different details, the Law of Lashes. We shall attempt here to understand the literal text, the Midrash halacha, and the reason for the discrepancy between them. The Law of Lashes is a short unit, comprising only three verses. If there will be strife between people and they come to judgment, that they may be judged, then they shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked and it shall be if the wicked party is worthy of receiving lashes, then the judge shall cause him to lie, and he shall be beaten in his presence, in accordance with his misdeed by number. Forty lashes shall he administer, he shall not continue, lest he continue to beat him in addition to these with a great beating, and your brother shall be despised in your eyes. Each of these three verses contains a law which, according to the literal meaning, appears different from the way it is actually practiced according to the oral law. Let us examine the three laws, from the last to the first. The best-known law of this unit, which has also become a symbol of the authority of the sages, is the warning of the Torah in the third verse, Forty lashes shall he administer. He shall not continue. The simple reading of the text suggests that the maximum number of lashes cannot exceed forty. However, the well-known directive of Chazal instructs, How many lashes are administered? Forty minus one, as it is written, by number forty, a number that is close to forty. Rabbi Yehuda says, He receives a full forty lashes. The first opinion quoted in the Mishnah, which is in fact accepted as law, is based upon the combination of words, by number forty. As the Gemara explains there, For what reason do we administer only thirty-nine? Had it written forty by number, I would have said it means precisely forty. Now that it says by number forty, it must refer to a number that completes forty. Obviously, the exegesis of this verse is far from the literal meaning of the text for the word in number concludes verse 2, while the word 40 opens verse 3. The Gemara relates to this statement by Chazal, regarding it as a symbol of their halachic power. Rabbah said, How foolish are those people who rise up in honor of a Sefer Torah, but do not rise up before a great scholar. For the Sefer Torah teaches 40, but the sages diminish by one. This example is noted by the Vilna Gaon in an important teaching in his Adarat Eliyahu, at the beginning of Parshat Mishpatim. But the halakha prevails over the literal text, as in the majority of this parasha as well as in several parashiyot in the Torah. This is the greatness of the oral law, which is law handed to Moshe at Sinai, and it is a mirror image to the written law, like the impression left by a stamp. As it is written, How foolish are those people who rise up in honor of a sefer Torah, etc. Such is the case also in the law of Pigul, and in most of the Torah. Hence it is necessary to know the literal text in order to know the stamp. However, the Vilna Gaon fails to explain what leads Chazal to explain the verses in this fashion. It would seem that Chazal's teaching arises from their desire to limit the Torah's license to administer 40 lashes, stipulating instead that the number be 40 less 1. But what lies behind this tendency? The Rambam in Hilchot Sanedrin answers as follows. How are lashes administered to one who is deserving of them? Where it says 40, it means that not a single stroke is to be added over and above those 40 even if he is as strong and healthy as Shimshon. But for one who is weaker, fewer lashes are administered. Therefore, our sages taught that even the most strapping subject is given 39, for if one more is added, it turns out that he was administered the 40 of which he was deserving. The Rambam, of course, is introducing something new. We may understand from what he is saying that according to the Torah, he is indeed to be given 40 lashes, and that the law of 40 less 1 is of rabbinical origin. Indeed, the Kesef Mishneh explains that the rabbinic exegesis of this verse is a mere textual reference, a smachta, not an actual derivation. But clearly this explanation is somewhat forced, for there is no reason to regard such a typical instance of rabbinic exegesis as mere reference. For this reason, Abarbanel writes, and the Ridbaz writes something similar, Since the divine will specifies that the number should not exceed forty, therefore the ruling of the sages is that there should be thirty-nine lashes, such that in any event they will number less than forty. The reason for this is that he should not mistakenly exceed the number 40. In light of this, we may say that two levels of this law exist. According to the literal text, the person who is sentenced to lashes is indeed deserving of 40. However, since the entire section comes to uphold the dignity of this person, the sages derive exegetically that only 39 lashes should be administered, in order to avoid any possibility of the corporal punishment inadvertently leading to unwarranted degradation of the subject. Hence, the sages are not trying to interpret the text differently from its literal meaning. Instead, they are following its intention and extending the prohibition, while giving biblical authority to their additional imitation. The sages interpret the verses thus by virtue of their authority, and this indeed seems to be the meaning of the expression, they lessened it by one. Let us now return to verse 2. A simple reading of the verse, He shall be beaten in his presence, in accordance with his misdeed, by number, gives the impression that the number of lashes varies according to the severity of the transgression. As Ibn Ezra writes, It would seem that there are sins for which he receives ten lashes, others for which he receives twenty, or less, or more, as it is written, in accordance with his misdeed. Only the number cannot exceed forty. Ibn Ezra concludes, This would be the case were it not for the accepted tradition, which alone is the truth. He means that according to Chazal, There is no difference between the various cases in which he receives lashes. In every case, he receives forty less one. Ibn Ezra brings an additional explanation. Though it accords with Chazal's conclusion that there is no difference in the number of lashes administered for the different transgressions that carry corporal punishment, it still recognizes the distinction between different misdeeds that arises from the literal reading of the text. Some say that the expression, in accordance with his misdeed, refers to heavier or lighter lashes, but in all cases they number forty. The Chizkuni interprets in the same way, but it is doubtful whether this interpretation actually arises from the literal text. Abarbanel and Shadal, who are both known as literal commentators, conclude that according to the literal text, the number of lashes does indeed vary in accordance with the severity of transgression. Abarbanel writes, The instruction, 40 lashes shall he administer, he shall not continue, does not mean that there must always be 40 lashes, for sometimes it will be less, in accordance with his misdeed. The intention, rather, is to warn that there should be no more than forty, like the foolish custom of whipping people with cruelty, however many lashes the judge sees fit to sentence, to the extent that on many occasions people would die from these lashes. Thus, we return to our question. Why do Chazal conclude that there is a uniformity of punishment for the various types of transgressions for which corporal punishment is administered, contrary to the literal reading of the text? A similar phenomenon exists with regard to another parasha in Shmot: If men strive and a pregnant woman is hurt and the fetus departs from her, but there is no further loss of life, then the man who struck her shall surely be punished, as the woman's husband may stipulate, and he shall pay as the judge's rule. Here, too, it would appear that the amount of damages to be paid is determined by the woman's husband, although we note that he is limited in the demands that he can make. He shall pay as the judge's rule, Ibn Ezra and Chizkuni explain, the expression, as the woman's husband may stipulate, refers to a case where he accepts to pay what the husband stipulates, and if he does not agree to pay what the husband stipulates, then he goes to the court and pays in accordance with their ruling. There are further examples illustrating the principle that arises from these instances, in other words, a trend toward uniformity, limiting the need for the judges to exercise their judgment in differentiating between sentences. This idea is quite understandable in our parasha. The Torah is exhorting us to take great care with regard to the dignity of the subject receiving lashes, and we have already discussed Hazal's ruling concerning the maximum possible number of lashes. Likewise, concerning the subject of the severity of the transgressions, according to the literal text, a very heavy responsibility rests upon the judges, who must determine how many lashes each convict is to receive. Any error on their part will immediately involve a situation where your brother will be despised in your eyes. In order to avoid this problem, the oral law sets a uniform number of lashes for all relevant transgressions, thereby eliminating the possibility of the court unintentionally causing unwarranted humiliation to the subject, This way of thinking also influenced the understanding of the number 40. According to the literal text, this number represents the maximum number of lashes to be administered, even in the most severe cases, based upon the assumption that exceeding this number would involve your brother being despised in your eyes, or out of concern that more than 40 lashes could lead to the death of the subject. Abarbanel writes in this vein, Therefore the divine wisdom decreed the proper number, such that the command is fulfilled, without endangering human life. However, Chazal, having established that this number would be administered uniformly for all relevant transgressions, there was a need to explain why specifically the number 40 was chosen for the uniform punishment. One such explanation is to be found in the Midrash Tanchuma. Why 40? Because this person was formed in the womb during 40 days, and he transgressed the Torah which was given to Moshe during 40 days. Therefore he is given 40 lashes, and then he has fulfilled this punishment." According to the literal text, our Prashad discusses strife and conflict between two people, where the wicked one, in other words, the person who loses the case, is punished with lashes. Abarbanel explains, According to the literal text, the lashes are administered because of the fight. They are given either to the accusing party for having demanded more than what was right or true, or to the defendant for denying the truth or for swearing falsely. Abarbanel continues, As is the custom in Muslim countries today, according to the literal text, he receives lashes in monetary matters too, in accordance with the judge's ruling, in keeping with the matter of his misdeed, and he is whipped before the judge. But as we know, the halakha stipulates that in monetary matters lashes are not administered. The Gemara teaches, anyone who is liable to pay is not liable for lashes, and also applies the principle, administer only the more severe punishment, when one act would engender two punishments. But we may ask, how are we then to explain the verses, from which it appears that in monetary disputes too there is a punishment of lashes. Chazal explain that our parasha deals with conspiring witnesses, edim zomimim, in a specific instance where the law that whatever they conspire to do to their brothers should be done to them cannot be fulfilled. Such as, for example, if they testify that a kohen was the son of a divorcee, since they cannot be punished by having done to them what they intended to do to the victim, they are given lashes. Ramban feels that this explanation is forced. According to the tradition of our sages, lashes are administered for those who have transgressed negative commandments, so what does it have to do with a fight between two people? Therefore, they derive exegetically that this applies to conspiring witnesses. For this reason, Ramban suggests a different direction for interpreting Chazal's ruling that lashes are administered only for transgressions of negative commandments. Perhaps there will be a fight between people, and one of them would be sentenced to lashes, such as, for example, where one injured the other slightly, such that the damage was not worthy of monetary compensation, or that he cursed his friend in God's name. The text addresses the most common occurrences, for the accusing party takes the defendant to court, and by his hand he is given lashes. Even the Ramban solution does not seem to fit in with the literal text, as we have noted above in the words of Abarbanel. In light of this, we must ask once again, If indeed, according to the literal text, there is an obligation of lashes for monetary matters too, then why did Chazal cancel the law of lashes in relation to legal disputes between people, where they do not involve the transgression of a negative commandment, as it would seem to apply according to the literal text? It appears that here, again, what concerned Chazal was the need to observe the Torah's exhortation concerning the dignity of the subject. Monetary disputes between people are an everyday occurrence, and the trait of mercy, which is reflected in many of Chazal's rulings that depart from the literal text, requires that a person not be beaten without his actions having involved an evil intention to transgress a law of the Torah. This applies especially when the person is obligated in any case to pay monetary damages. We have discussed very briefly three laws in the section of lashes, in which there would seem to be a discrepancy between the intention of the written law and the dictates of the oral law, as the Rishonim point out. We have followed the footsteps of the Vilnagon, hence it is necessary to know the literal text in order to know the stamp, the oral law which is a mirror image of the written law. We have raised the possibility that all these three discrepancies arise from the same reason, the inclination of Chazal by virtue of their authority to apply most stringently the Torah's instruction to take care concerning the dignity of the subject who receives lashes. A Jew, although he has sinned, remains a Jew, and a person who receives lashes is still your brother.